It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are the Rain and Jays, John Corrales and Jay King, thanking you for letting us tag along with you wherever you are, work, the gym, out for a run, whatever you're doing, listening to us. Thank you very much, uh, whether it's on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your, your podcast. We really do appreciate it. Today's show is all about you as well because we asked you for questions on Twitter with the hashtag Rain and Jays. So first of all, apologies. If you, if you didn't include the hashtag, we may have missed your question, but got a lot of questions. Uh, we, we've been doing these podcasts, Jay, so often. We used to do these questions all the time, but it was once a week. Now with these rapid-fire podcasts, it's good to kind of just settle down and get questions from from our listeners we got to interact with the people uh, but l- let's start with I- i've got my first question and it's, oh. it's something i'm curious about how how much time do you spend thinking about your intro um i you're very good at them <laughs> i feel like <laughs> i need i need work i um i i actually do kind of think about what i want to say uh i, I maybe like I, I think about it earlier in the day as i'm trying to think of other stuff from work and I, yeah. I kind of divert myself and I'm like, okay, tonight's show is going to be about this. And sometimes thoughts pop into my head. I'm like, yeah, I want to say that. Uh, and, but you know, sometimes it's off the cuff. Sometimes it's, it's kind of like, uh, I'll kind of go through it a couple of times. I want to be fluid. So yeah. Take, take notes guys. That's how that's podcasting one Oh one right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I have spent, Seriously, like 20 years in the broadcasting business on the TV side mostly. And you, you got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. You got to sound natural. Uh, but, you know, guess, it's all about I got just a lot talking. to work on. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. You did very well. The past two shows, by the way, when you were uh, collaborating with the Locked On Clippers and the Locked On uh, Thunder, were both very, very good shows. If, if you haven't listened to those, if, this, if you're a first-time listener you haven't listened to those shows, really great shows. Jay handled it on his own when I couldn't make it. Talking about, uh, what did, I, did I say Locked On Clippers? It was Locked On Hawks. I'm sorry. It was Locked On Hawks uh, with Brad Rowan talking about Al Horford on Monday. And then last night was the uh, Locked On Thunder talking about Russell Westbrook. So check those out if you haven't listened to those. All right, let's dive into this. Lots to get to, a lot of questions. Thank you again for, for submitting them. Let's start with something that dropped this morning on ESPN. It was suggested on ESPN that the Celtics take a look at J.R. Smith. Now, some people perceive that as a rumor. Not a rumor. There's no actual discussions or consideration as of yet. It was just a suggestion from a writer. 
but people have questions about that. So uh, Celtics Nation Italia at Nicola Bagani asked, uh, the latest rumor brought up by Forsberg says the season might pursue JR. What do you think about it? He's like, what? Uh, at <laughs> Young Walt Disney, how well do you think Brad Stevens could keep J.R. Smith under control? And at Jack Michael 17 asks, is tomato a fruit? Yes, it is, by the way. Also, I really want J.R. Smith in the seas. How about you guys? So he, he was one of the few pro J.R. guys. That, yeah. That emailed or tweeted us, actually. I, I think Jr. is like in the Evan Turner zone where people haven't caught up to the fact that he, he's a lot better at basketball than he used to be. Jr. is a great shooter. And yes, he's, he's nuts sometimes. Yes, he will occasionally do some stupid things such as elbow Jay Crowder at the worst time in the playoffs and get suspended. Uh, but he, he's a really good shooter. And he's become a much better defender. He's a decent wing defender. He wouldn't be a bad guy to have on the Celtics. I don't think they'll go after him just because I think he's going back to Cleveland. And that's that's what I think. And I think they would rather have cap flexibility just in case one of those stars, whoever it might be, pops up on the trade market. But, yeah, J.R. Smith would help the Celtics. He's, he's shoot. That's what they need. They need a shooter. Uh, and then I also think another another layer to that. You want minutes for Jalen Brown. Now you want minutes for Terry Rozier. You might want more minutes for Marcus Smart. There, there are a lot of guys in the perimeter. R.J. Hunter, uh, m- maybe he'll earn, earn a role too. So I don't know if you want J.R. Smith, even though it'll help the team. He doesn't put you to that next level, and you're, you might just be better off giving those minutes to, to the young guys. He's asking for like $17 million. So that's, that's not going to happen. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's not good. I know it is. It's not going to happen. So, I mean, it's really not worth putting much time, much thought into it. But I, I'm anti J.R. Smith just because I, I don't like the influence that he'll have on the locker room. I don't know how much influence he'll have on the locker room, but whatever it is, it's too much. Although I do think it'd be funny to see him trying to head to like the greatest bar or bell in hand after a game at like 12 o'clock. And, and then they're already closed. Freaking out because last call is at one. Yeah. <laughs> like he'll, he'll walk in there and be like, uh, last call, JR. Be like, what? So I don't think Boston works for his lifestyle. Although he's great, in Cleveland. And- great, great JR Smith story. Uh, so in Cleveland, I think this was not this past season, the year before. It. Celtics and Cavaliers had, I believe it was a weekend game, and Jr. comes walking in with like, like a green beret on, and he's got all green, like, like looks like he's ready to golf. <laughs> and and Brian Scalabrini says to him, Jr. Like, what what's up, man? Why why are you dressed like that? He said, It's the Masters this week. <laughs> he was dressed like that because there was a golf tournament, major golf tournament. On. What? I, I, it was it was awesome. J.R. Smith is an awesome golfer, which is very surprising, but also true. Is he really? I had no idea. Yeah, he's like a four or five handicap. Like some, he's Get really, really out. good. Yeah, that's surprising because golf takes such discipline and a lack of emotion. Like you can't, you have to be able to put. But actually, you know what? Now that I'm talking it and saying it out loud, he has such an ability to put every miss behind him that. I can see that translating to the golf course where anytime he shanks something, he just, nah, whatever. I'll just take the next I, shot. I also feel like shooters are 
good golfers. I feel like shooters are good at imitating things. Like they see somebody shot and and can do it. That, like Steph Curry, great golfer. Ray Allen was a great golfer. J.R. Smith, shooter, great golfer. Yeah. I think it's just like something with with the body. They can just imitate things that they see. The concept uh, is the same. A jump shot and a golf swing really do have a lot of similarities. And in that, for it to be really, really good, you have to be able to replicate it exactly time and time and time again. So you look – I love – there was a photo array of of Ray Allen from like Bucks, Seattle, Celtics – you know, Yukon and, and his form was exactly the same in all of those pictures. So the golf swing is exactly the same way. You, if you can replicate the same swing over and over and over again, you're going to be a pretty good golfer. So, yeah, there's something to that. Okay. So, wow. J.R. Smith, a good golfer. Uh, and, and answering <laughs> and the question. all green for the Masters, which is yeah. awesome. Do we think Brad Smith could, Brad Stevens could keep J.R. Smith under control? I, mean, no. I don't know who could keep J.R. Smith under control. I'm no. sure Brad Stevens could have an impact on the guy uh, because I think Brad has a way to connect with people. He has this very great ability to connect to different types of people at their own level. And I think at the base of it all is a respect. So I think he would be able to find a way to connect to J.R. Smith but keep him under control. J.R. Smith can't even keep J.R. Smith under control. Brad Stevens isn't going to do it. But, uh, again, let's, let's kind of move on from this because it's fun to think about for many different reasons, both facetiously and actually, but it's not going to happen. So it was a nice suggestion. The Celtics will not be getting J.R. Smith. They may be getting somebody via trade, and we got a bunch of questions regarding that. So let's just dive into those. Uh, at Evil Miami Monkey. I mean, I love these Twitter names. I love these Twitter names. What would match up? This is a pipe dream question. What would match up better versus Cleveland? Adding Westbrook and Griffin or Westbrook and Cousins? I love these. Oh, this this is really, really a pipe dream question. Uh, huh. I'll go huh. Cousins because he's such a talented, such a talented center. There's no one, no one can match up with him. Not that gri- matching up with Griffin is any easier, but Cousins and Cousins is adding the three. So I'd, I'd say Westbrook and Cousins. Cousins might go on like a Draymond Green streak of, of flagrant fouls in the playoffs, though. So that might be something to he watch. Might. That, yeah. th- this whole Cousins thing, we keep, he, his, <laughs> he keeps coming out. And saying these these things, and then it has to backtrack and like, no, you didn't take it the right way. But you didn't say it the right way either. He's saying he's confused about their draft and yeah, just I, I didn't I didn't get the draft, but that's not my job. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like <laughs> we hear you loud and clear, Demarcus. Your yeah. your franchise has no clue what it's doing, and you understand that your franchise has no clue what it's doing. It's funny. So those those rumors will not die. Ah. Uh, I think Griffin. Uh, yeah, and I, going I, I I say Griffin, just because he, to me, I, I think he's a better player. I, I think Cousins is a better talent, but Griffin's a better actual basketball player, and mm-hmm. I I just think he he tries hard all the time, which is important. <laughs> he he's not as good a defender when Cousins is engaged. 
but Cousins isn't always engaged, and and may, maybe he would be a lot better in a different situation. But to me, I'd rather have the guy who two years ago averaged twenty six, twelve, and like six or seven in the playoffs. G- give me that guy and see what he can do in Brad Stevens, probably handling the ball a lot more. Although if he was next to Russell Westbrook, may, maybe not handling the ball so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here at RA Papa Irish. How many way, years? I, do you th- I love that we got a question about Russell Westbrook and Blake Griffin on the Celtics. Like not even yeah. not even just one of them, but but both. both. <laughs> Virtually like, impossible to. But yeah. you never know. That's um, what Danny Ainge is doing right now. That's that's why they haven't made a trade yet. He's choosing whether he would rather have Russell Westbrook and Blake Griffin or Russell is. Westbrook and Demarcus Cousins. That that's not a Woj bomb. That's a king bomb. We, we, we solved that, it. Uh, all right, Papa Irish. How many years do you think Russell Westbrook and Blake Griffin will be better than next year's number one pick? Now, that's an interesting question because the Celtics have that, that pick, uh, well, through, through the swap with Brooklyn. So the, the underlying thing here with this question is keeping that pick next year that pick swap next year versus trading it for Westbrook and Griffin so how many years do you think those two guys will be better than that number one pick let's pretend the Celtics get that number one pick overall Westbrook is 27 Griffin's what 27 as well 26 yeah yeah 26 or 27 so so first first of all can we talk about how how pathetic that Nets picture was (laughs) with the hashtag we came to play and then, then it's all, all their new acquisitions like Joe Harris, Chris Levert, uh, who Jeremy Lin with his, with his wild new new braids. Yeah, that was that Anthony was one of the Bennett. funniest hashtags. We we came to play. Hashtag yeah. we came to play. We came to Hashtag play. Hashtag we're gonna go like ten and seventy two next year. Right, <laughs> but we came my re- to play. My response was because we're obligated to play eighty two games, so we came to play. Hashtag Wait. we may not reach the salary floor because we, <laughs> <laughs> we know we're not going to win anyway. Uh, uh, so I think, look, Westbrook's 27, Griffin's 26, 27. So you've got a solid five years of those guys in their prime. So next year's pick within four or five years, will, if, if, if those it, guys if are as good as they are. Yeah. And if it's a real number one pick – They'll start like crossing in like four or five years, yeah. But then, then you also have to think like, like Russell Westbrook is going to make thirty something million dollars per year in his next contract, like something he could make up yeah. to forty at the end of his next forty plus at the end of his next contract, which is right. outrageous. But that's just the way the new NBA is, and so the rookie deals are going to be the biggest deals in the world. So if you get a guy who is close to Russell Westbrook or Blake Griffin in year four, and he's still on a rookie contract, it's going to be one of the biggest bargains in the NBA. Yeah. So so that's another layer to it. There, there's a whole lot of layers to it. And I don't know. I, I mean, you might be better off not trading for one of those guys and then keeping that pick and trying to go after one of those guys next year when when they hit free agency or the year after that. So there are a lot of decisions for the Celtics to make, a lot of hard decisions, even like – Things that should be easy decisions like, like oh, yeah, let's try to get Russell Westbrook or Blake Griffin on our team 
have tough decisions within them because how much do you give up? How much should you give up for a guy who, who even if Russ Westbrook would extend and trade, you probably only have him for two years, and then you got to convince him to stay, and then surround him with a top team, and then Isaiah, Avery Bradley, and Marcus Smart are up for new deals in a couple of years, and then like there's just so many decisions everywhere. It is really hard to run an NBA franchise. Really, it's, really hard. It's it's not an easy thing to do. So I think in in to wrap up that particular question, the the sentiment is don't trade that pick swap next year. Trade anything else. Keep that pick swap because that has the potential to really be a key part of the Celtics' future. And I've talked about this before, and this goes to the added layer of building a franchise. Yes, you want to win now. And yes, you give up assets to win now, like Cleveland giving up Andrew Wiggins. But you have to have a long-term view within that. Now the Celtics have Jalen Brown, who is encouraging. And if they have that pick next year, and let's say it's a top one, two, or three pick in a draft that is supposed to be historically good. So if all of that works out, you now have a couple of guys that can bridge that next rebuild. And in a couple of years when Bradley and Thomas and other guys come up when their contracts come up, maybe Jalen Brown is good enough to make the loss of one of the go- those guys palatable. Maybe player X that they draft next year makes the loss of one of those guys palatable. And you move on with a younger, cheaper, better player. And that just rolls things along. You're not really rebuilding. You're, you're handing things over to good players who happen to be 23, 24 years old. And now you're, you're just chugging along. You're, you're in reload mode. So that's an important thing to consider. And I, I may have advocated in the past for maybe trading that pick swap, but I, I, I think I'm, I'm moving into the keep it. So that, that's where I fall onto, uh, on that question. I really think maybe they want to keep that if that draft next year is going to be that good. But then, I mean, if you can get Griffin or Westbrook and then still have cap space for next year, like, it, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, no. like, it's, it would be really, really tough to say no to that. I, I can promise that. But, that, I mean, that's assuming those are even options. And right now it seems like Oklahoma City is trying to keep Westbrook as hard as possible. They're planning to try to renegotiate and extend him. And who knows what the Clippers think because they, they might think they, they can still contend if the Warriors have a little bad luck somewhere. So hmm. who knows? Who knows, who knows what the Clippers think? Uh, at Chris Doc, Doc with the Brandon Bass signing. Love it. That was, love that it. was beautiful. I love that Another one. Class. It's Actually, so that, that was a good signing. Brandon it Bass was at the good, was a great signing. Sure, sure, but still pure doc. Pure doc. Uh, pure doc. At Chris KJE66, what's an acceptable package for the Seas to get Noel from Philly? I don't think Philly's trying to give up Noel. I think they're trying to give up Okafor. Uh, but if they're trying to give up Noel, let's say, let's say he's available. Oh, man. I, I'm, he, see, I'm, I'm down on this. I'm not sure about yeah, he's I'm down on those Philly, those Philly guys because, no, look, Noel is Noel fits better with the Celtics. Rim protector, athletic, runs the floor, can catch alley-oops, do those sort of things. But what's, what's his true ceiling? Plus, he's, he's going to be a restricted free agent next year. 
So if he comes that's- to Boston and he has this great year, then he goes into restricted free agency. They're going to throw a ton of money at this kid. So I, I don't want to give up a lot. I really don't want to give up a lot because it, it doesn't – I'm not so sure that he's going to be here for more than a year. I don't know if the Celtics are going to pony up that kind of money for him when they want to keep that cap flexibility for a true superstar. So uh, Yeah, if they do get him, they, they would consider him obviously a long-term piece, I think. You, you don't trade assets for a guy if you just want him to come in for a year. But what's the but, package? What, what, would, what would it take to get that? We're not giving uh, up again. I'm not giving up that 18 pick swap, that 17 pick no, swap. I mean, I'm, no, not even close. Are we giving it, it up? Would, are we giving up the 18 it would be pick? Like, like a future Celtics pick and some other young player. That that would that would be what I'd be okay with. And then, yeah, what? Which young player? How 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 good a young player? Are you giving up Rozier and a future Celtics pick for him? I'm not. I I I, I don't know. I, to me, the, I like Noel as a player. It's just just the contract thing. That, that's that's the biggest issue there. Is, right. is he's going to be due for a pay raise next year, and how much are you going to have to keep him? How much is that going to impact your cap flexibility, which has been so critical for them? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and that, I, I just don't think tough, he's another the, tough decision. It, it is tough. It's a tough decision. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's good enough to like. I don't know. It, I, I wouldn't. I'm not sure I would go after Noel. It, I would like Okafor more just because he has three more years on the rookie deal. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I I would go for. I, I like Noel better as a player. I just think he fits better. But that contract, like you said, that that's a tough one to swallow for one year, and then he's going into restricted free agency. That that really can get dicey because the Celtics will have to make a decision on him pretty quick. And what some people might not know, what you might not know is when a team makes uh, an offer to somebody in restricted free agency, that places a hold on your cap immediately. So the Celtics would have to make a decision on that player before dealing with these other players. It could really just screw things up financially. So I really, I don't want to deal with that. Um, But... If it's a, a future Celtics pick, their Celtics own pick that's low, and I don't know, one of I, I'm not I'm not giving up Rozier. So you got to get less. Rozier's untradeable for for John. Well, we we all know that I'm not giving up Rozier for anything <laughs> less than Kevin Durant in a sign and trade next summer. But but I, I don't know, R.J. Hunter. I I don't know. I'm not, I, I just don't like dealing with Philly. I don't want. I don't want to deal with anything Philly has at this point. I'm done. I'm out on Philly. Okay. Forget Philly. Forget Philly. At Jake Gungora, what is the best trade consisting of Terry Rozier, Avery Bradley, Amir Johnson, the 2018 next pick, and he's throwing in Tommy Heinsohn? What's the best trade that Why could be tra- Now, Heinsohn is untradeable. Yeah, I love you, Tommy. You can't trade Tommy Heinsohn. The Celtics, Tommy. He's, he's a Celtic lifer. Relax with the Tommy Heinsohn. There is no trade available for that. No trade. We're keeping Tommy at all costs. We all know what Tommy is. We all know who Tommy is. Let him go out there and do his thing. I love it. We, he, no one is pretending that he's impartial. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it and have fun with it. 
So what is the best trade that a package of Terry Rozier, Avery Bradley, Amir Johnson, and that 2018 Nets pick could bring back? That sounds like that sounds like a package that would at least be an initial offer for like Blake Griffin, and then see where they yeah, go. With it. But but then Doc would say no, and then and then maybe like I feel like that would be a lesser guy, like like a first offer for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I, I think if if you if you get Blake, you probably have to throw in Crowder. Right? Yeah. Cause, yeah, cause, probably. Because they'd want to play small, and that's the whole point of moving Blake is to play small. Right. And have DeAndre Jordan with a lot of floor spaces around him. Right. So Crowder makes Crowder makes a lot of sense if, if he goes to L.A. unless there's a third team involved. And, and right now, we're, we're just spitballing out here. We're just throwing out names, just, just having fun. Obviously, all of these are long shots because hardly ever do – True star players get traded. That's just the way the NBA is. No, it never happens. It but hardly ever happens. We are being asked these questions, and we are answering. You ask, we answer. We, That's how this show works. We do it for the people. So yeah, I, I would say like like a Jimmy. That would be an offer for a Jimmy Butler type. Okay, and then you and think- then you hope the Nets get a lot better, and that 2018 pick sucks. <laughs> Like all of a sudden, they strike magic, yeah. and and then like Jeremy Lin finds another level, and he just becomes an all star. Yeah, like, but but first they have to be the worst team in the NBA in 2017, right? And then 2018, like Jeremy Lin becomes MVP of the league, or Anthony Bennett like becomes the true number one pick of the century. Man, and, that's such a horrible pick. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just digress. I just thought back to that draft, and when they announced Anthony Bennett, everybody's like, "Huh? Yeah, what? That, that was stunning at the time. Still stunning to this day." But hey, the Brooklyn Nets, we came <laughs> to play. Hashtag we came to play. <laughs> uh, one more here in the trade. Is there any merit to the Blake OKC talk? This part one. This is from uh, Tiffany Trip at Tiff Trip. Two-part question. Is there merit to the Blake to OKC talk? And then what's your favorite C starting five now with Al Horford? Let's start with Blake to OKC. Uh, I, I don't know. How if, much does he love Oklahoma? He, he, he was born there. He went to school there. Like Oklahoma City is a tough sell on a lot of free agents, I feel like. But maybe Blake Griffin is the yeah, one that's guy true. who it's not to. And then that's you have, true. And then, I mean, if he went over there, it would be Victor Oladipo, Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams, Blake Griffin, Andre Robertson, uh, Ennis Cantor. Like that—that's not a bad roster. That, that's, that's not a bad that's, roster. That's, that's no. a really good roster. So that it, it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as a free agent signing, it makes sense. Yeah. So. If if OKC as far as a trade goes, I, I wouldn't. I don't know that there's the OKC is going to be able to trade for Blake Griffin. But if if it's a free agent signing, that's a good point about uh, his connections to Oklahoma. So yeah, I can see that if they can convince Westbrook. And and going back to your show yesterday, I I do have some. I, I do give some merit to the thought that Durant leaving 
has given Westbrook some desire to stay there and say, you know what? Screw you, KD. We're going to build a winner here, and we're going to do it without you. And I, I, I feel like there's there's a level of vindictiveness in Westbrook to do that. So if he does do the extend uh, the the renegotiation and extension, then then I think there's definite merit to Blake going over there because by then we'll have seen the Clippers fizzle out again, and he's been. <laughs> let's be honest, that's happening. That yeah, will happen at some point. So that the, they are going to fizzle and fall apart. And having been mentioned in all the trade rumors, if he doesn't get traded, I'm sure he's not feeling the love over there. He might want a new start. So stay in the West, go back home, build something over there, challenge Golden State. I like that. I like that a lot. And part two to the question, what's your favorite season starting? Question. I liked this question a lot. Favorite C's starting five now with Al Horford. So I'm going to say I'm going to say it'll be uh, It Bradley Crowder Horford. Um, I think they'll start Amir Johnson. Okay, I'm I I would I want, but this is, just, this is the question about my favorite. I want to start a Linux. That that that's mine too. That yeah, that's mine I want to start a Linux. I think uh, I I would I'd like to see a Linux, and then this way you can kind of keep you 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 can still play Johnson and Horford together for stretches, but you also have kind of like a rim protector. That you can kind of cycle in and out and always have for, one for on the 48 floor. minutes a game exactly yeah and then, and then you'll have a shooting four whether it's olenic crowder or jarebko for 48 minutes a game yeah so yeah. then you have the rim protector you have shooting more more shooting than the celtics have had i was going i was going to say shooters everywhere and then i remembered like the celtics <laughs> roster and no but yeah more shooting than they've had uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm 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 on board the Olenek starting train. I think Horford is a really good pairing for him. I think they'll have to rebound. That would be like the one obvious trouble area there. But that's that's a lot more spacing, most definitely than they had with Johnson and Sullinger in the starting lineup last year. Like yeah. so much a more spacing, more, a lot more. You have to respect those guys. Yeah, uh, remember that. You know. Yeah, well, first of all, you have to respect Horford basically anywhere on the floor. And last year, before the, the shoulder injury, Olenek was hitting three, like 40% from three. He yeah. was, we were pushing for him to be in the three-point shootout. He was banging from downtown, and I think he can get back to that banging level. from downtown. Yeah. That was, yeah, he was. He was on fire. <laughs> he was. He was banging from downtown. I, I love it. <laughs> uh, one more question here. Uh, from at Kala HF, what's your all-time Celtics BS rumor Mount Rushmore? <laughs> Ooh, ah, uh, this this is a good one. Um, hmm. So, I so, so okay, good. We got to go with four. Go ahead. Well, four, four of them. Four, four is tough. All-time Celtics BS rumor Mount Rushmore. Oh God. <sighs> 
if you have one, go first because I'm drawing oh, a blank. My, like, my favorite, so- it wasn't even BS. It was real, but it didn't end up happening, which was JaVale McGee. Oh, that, yeah, that, was that, that was that was probably my favorite. And Ainge went on t- on the radio, and he was like, "Yeah, we're we're close to signing JaVale McGee," and it never happened. And probably for the best that it didn't happen because he's like the Los Angeles Clippers are going to. He has really fizzled out since then. Uh, but yeah, for for like two hours when JaVale McGee was going to be on the Celtics, that was a great day. Um, I will throw in. And the the Celtics' pursuit of Dwight Howard, I think that was total BS, and I don't think there was anything ever to that. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna put that in okay. there. All time, see, all time, they all just mumble together, and it, what happens is I just forget that these rumors they're, ever existed. They're vapor, man. It's like it's- they go away. Yeah, like I can't. Um, yeah, that's all I can come. That's all I can come up with because you deal with so many rumors over and over and over again. It's I, hard to think of like I like the Carmelo Anthony one this year. Oh which, yeah, which didn't that was make any, crap. any sense at all. Uh like he's just too old. Obviously, he would help the Celtics. He's a great player, still awesome scorer. Just what they need as far as a scorer goes, who can play the three and the four. But he's way too old for their timeline. No. No, <laughs> Carmelo was never happening. I don't believe it. Um, what else? There's one more in there somewhere. There's got to be one more in there somewhere. And w- w- this is probably like, like there are probably much better ones that, that we could come up with a- if we really or, spent time on this. What about this? What about, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with a little bit of a different spin on this. The, the thought that Kevin McHale was doing his friend Danny Ainge a favor in the Kevin Garnett trade. Like, that that whole concept. Like, I think that's not necessarily the question, but we're, it's total BS that, yeah, Kevin McHale is a former Celtic. He loves the Celtics and all of that stuff. He's friends with Danny Ainge. But he's trying to run a team. And the fact that he traded with somebody he was comfortable with Sure, there, there's a little. We've heard general managers say that they want to. They always want to deal with people they're they're comfortable with. That's why we see a lot of teams making a lot of trades with one another, like the same two teams very often, and like Orlando and Oklahoma City making a trade this year. Sam Presti and Rob Hennigan were college teammates, so like there's a familiarity. Like that at, stuff at happens. John's alma mater at Emerson College, baby. Yeah. Um, that basketball powerhouse. <laughs> you know, there are a couple of guys in the pipeline, by the way, that also went to Emerson that could end up being GMs within the next few years. There might be like three or four GMs from the Emerson basketball program at some point, which is amazing to me. But, yeah, so I'm going to say that that concept to make our fourth and, and complete Mount Rushmore, that Kevin McHale somehow was like, I'll do you guys a favor and screw up my team forever. Like, no. So... Okay. I, I feel like we, we let we let the people down with this one. Like, well, like, like we really could have come up with a lot, a lot better if, if we if we had more time to think about it. I don't yeah, I just Where's the preparation you were talking about, John? 
All, like all this talk about preparation earlier in that. <laughs> look at look at you. You don't have answers either, man. I got nothing. What are you talking man. about? I got nothing. I just said like there's just so many there's so many rumors that off the top of my head like I just can't I I can't think of them. Yeah, you so. just, they just come and they go and then on to the next one. That's just the way rumors go. So we're moving on because we are. We're just moving on. <laughs> uh, Steve43 asks, 10 seconds left. Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford in a pick and roll. The opposition double teams Isaiah Thomas. You can pass to one player on the roster to attack four on three. Who is it? Crowder. Yeah. Crowder. I like and, and only because he said attack four on three. If this guy's wide open for a three, I want somebody else with the ball. I want Olenek or Bradley. Let's let's say that in this scenario, because if he's saying attack four on three, the double team, well, they're running a pick and roll. But let's say that they've run the double team uh, way out to like the hash mark. So Isaiah's backed up and he's passing out to somebody and then they've got to run like a quick... Quick offense, four on three. Yeah, I like Crowder because he really does attack. And assuming that the closing lineup will include, well, who would the closing lineup include? It, it would probably include, well, obviously Horford's on the floor. Uh, are we putting a Linux in that in that closing lineup? Is it, maybe I mean, you know, Steven. Stevens just just switches it up. I, yeah. I think most most nights the starting lineup will have at least Horford, Thomas, and Crowder. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, at some point, maybe you'll give it to Westbrook and he can just attack. <laughs> Throw it over to Westbrook, who then hits Blake Griffin for the alley-oop. Boom. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I think that's the pretty easy answer. No, I like that. I like that. Um, I like that answer with Crowder because he does. He does attack. He is capable of hitting a three. And he hit some huge threes, including the big three, the biggest three of the season, which was, of course, the pass from Evan Turner. The, I, I saw Jordan, Steve Kerr, and that was obviously the biggest play of the season. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, okay, I like that. Okay, a little more abstract now with our questions as we chug along. I love this one from Alex at Alex Kungu. How would you define the phrase feel for the game and which current Celtics have the highest feel for the game? I, I, like, I like that one a lot. Okay, feel for the game, just awareness. You, you know where to be on the court. You know where your teammates are going to be. You know the pass to make. You make the right play. You don't force up BS. Uh, just to me, it's, it's, it's the ability to make the right play consistently whether that's with the pass, on the shot, sliding defensively into the right position, closing out when you're supposed to. Uh, who has the best on the Celtics? Uh, Crowder, Crowder has a great feel, I think. Defensively, Marcus Smart has awesome feel. Uh, offensively, not offensively, always. Offensively, not great. Not always. Isaiah has a sixth sense of when to attack, but I, I, I think I, he gets too caught up in the moment sometimes, so he loses that feel for the game. Yeah, yeah. And I and I have a little bit different opinion on what that is. Um, 
it, it, and not to say that you're like all of that stuff that you said, but for me, feel for the game is a recognition of how everything is working around you to say, this guy's hot. I'm going to feed him. They made this, this substitution. I see this mismatch. If we do this, I see this mismatch. I see a guy who can call a play without looking at the coach based on what he sees on the floor for the right player. That's the feel of the game to me. You just Knowing, disagree with me while agreeing with me, man. It's not. It's, it's that's just the right play, right? That's it is. It's just yeah. a different for me. It, it, I'm just saying it maybe a little bit differently, but knowing knowing when and this is to me it's very point guardish, but knowing when the game needs to be fast and knowing when the game needs to be slow, and and based on who might have it that night, who might not have it that night, uh, those types of things, a, a general awareness of your teammates. Who's playing well? Who's off? Uh, when when the other team does certain things, how to react without looking at the coach? Like that to me is a, a, a general feel for the game. The guy who can, and and you know, Rondo had a great feel for the game. You can you can disagree with a lot of the things that Rondo did, but he he knew and knows where to attack, when to attack, and stuff like that. So, Horford uh, has great feel. Horford, Al, Al Horford has phenomenal feel. Yes, yes. And, and those are the guys who can move slowly but purposefully. That You, you don't have to expend that energy all the time. You, you can move slowly but get to the right spot and then, boom, turn it on. And it, you know the ability to change speeds and understand where a defender is leaning. And in that sense, Isaiah Thomas has a great feel for the game. Because of his size, he can understand a defender's leaning this way, a defender's moving at me this way. I can get into his body with my shoulder because I have a low center of gravity and kind of nudge him away and then jump off to the side and lay it in with my left hand. Like these little things also demonstrated a tremendous feel for the game, understanding how to use your defender's momentum against him to open up your own offense. So in that sense, he does have a tremendous feel for the game. So and it, yeah, it's hard to be good at basketball without having that. So but it's a great question. And it's it's one of those abstract, hard to quantify type of things there's no statistic for feel of the game it's just you might call it basketball iq this ability to know that your teammate's going to cut in this situation so i'm going to throw the ball to a spot trusting that my teammate's going to be there and so that that's a good one okay another great question john duke Dear podcast gods love this question and we are the the pod gods or or the godcast the Godcast. The Godcast. <laughs> we do not have a high opinion of ourselves at all. <laughs> Other than the obvious, parentheses, Bird, Russell, etc. What Celtics legend would be the perfect fit for this team? This is, I love this question. I like, so I like this question a lot. By Celtics legend, we're talking about 
you know, obviously some of the greatest players of all time. We're going. I see this eliminating Larry Bird, eliminating Bill Russell, uh, maybe eliminating uh, like Havlicek. He's the leading scorer. So, but looking back, uh, guys who have had their numbers retire, retired, I think qualify, and guys who may be about to have their numbers retired, I think qualify. So, go ahead, Jay. Who's your pick? I'm going with Paul Pierce on this one, and I say that because. They need scoring. They need shooting. <laughs> and they could use, like, imagine a lineup where Crowder slides over the four, Horford's at five, Pierce is at three, Bradley or Smart, and Thomas. That's an awesome lineup. G- give me Paul Pierce. I, I, I struggle, though, because I, I think Kevin Garnett, the, his first year with Boston, and we're taking guys in their primes, right? Or at least the primes sure, of yeah. their Celtics sure. career. The primes of their Celtics career. With the exception of Russell and uh, Bird and maybe Havlicek, I'm not sure anyone has ever been better for the Celtics than Garnett was that first year. Garnett yeah. was so damn good. He was Defensively, he was just on another level. It was so stupid how good he was defensively. Angles, quick, he could stay in front of guards. He could do anything you wanted him to do defensively. And then he, he sacrificed offensively but was still just awesome. So Garnett, to me, in his prime, was better than Pierce. But Pierce is a perfect fit. So I, I don't know. I, I might go with Garnett, but I, Pierce, Pierce had the longevity. I, I'm throwing him in there. Get, get, give me Paul Pierce, the truth, and, and the Celtics will win a lot of games. That's an excellent choice. Obviously an excellent choice. We all love Paul Pierce. I'm going to go further back. I'm going to go back, not to the guy with the most championship rings, but the guy with 10 championship rings. Only 10. Jeez. Only 10. Sam Jones, who was Mr. Clutch, the Celtics need shooting. Here's a guy, 6'4", could play a couple of positions in the backcourt. Scores when you need him to, hits the big shots, known as a big shooter. Uh, and as far as Celtics legends go, I mean, look, when you have 10 rings, you're a legend. <laughs> but going with a more obscure guy in this legends conversation, trying to think about that need for shooting. I know he, he may crowd the backcourt back a little bit, but... Yeah, I'd love to see Sam Jones in his shooting. Uh, I mean, this is a guy, he scored a lot of points. He averaged like 26 points a game at one point. Uh, really, really, really a great, great shooter. One of the Celtics' best scorers. He's seventh, uh, uh, I think, all time on the Celtics scoring list. So, If, the, I'll go if the Celtics had Paul Pierce next year, would they have a chance to knock off Cleveland in the East? If they had Paul, if they got like, if they got prime Paul Pierce, prime Paul Pierce, just added to this team. You just signed prime, prime Paul, Paul Pierce. Pierce. I mean, we're talking crazy hypotheticals. Yeah, there. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, so now you, your starting lineup would be Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Paul Pierce, Al Horford, and Kelly Olynyk. You think Crowder off the bench? Yeah. Unless, what do you want to do? You want to do? I, I come with Crowder at the four and just. Barrage just people with small small balls sure, right off that's the fine. bat. That's fine. Ooh, I ooh. That would be good. So so 
Isaiah, Avery, Pierce, <laughs> Crowder, and Horford. No, I like that a lot better. I like that a lot better. That's a good lineup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, they, I, I still don't think they'd be, they wouldn't be the favorites in the East. Cle- Cleveland's still better, I think. But we're talking about Paul Pierce in Steven Jackson's face, like that that era Paul Pierce talking, his head's bobbing, like that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking Paul Pierce, absolute prime, the truth, the truth. Mm. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> that would that would be fun. That would be fun. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Before we we wrap it up with some kind of the goofy questions. We got a question from at Celtics Mike who says, who asks, can you take a couple of minutes, talk about your career path for guidance to others that want to report on the Celtics? So, Jay, you are the beat writer. You actually are there every day. So, how did you get there? Uh, <laughs> well, it, it's a weird story. Uh, so, my senior year of college, I was probably going to be an accountant and I probably would have hated my life I, I don't know how I would ever be in an office all the time and I had one of my classes I had to start a blog for one of my classes and I thought what what do I like and I was like obviously the Celtics <laughs> I, I, I know nothing about basketball like there, there is nothing in life I know about except basketball that's the only thing I have any knowledge about so I started blogging about the Celtics and just kind of never stopped. And I started a website, Celtics Town. Did that for, I don't know, five years maybe. And in the meantime, I started getting like freelance gigs with my local newspaper, the Springfield Republican, which is affiliated with the place I, I work for now, Mass Live. And then I did some for ESPN Boston. Finally got a part-time job for like 24 hours a week for SB Nation and I was just like a, a news churning robot uh, for four hours a day, six days a week and then kept doing all the freelance work and then got really lucky that Mass Live decided to hire me to do high school sports and then six months later they opened up the Celtics position and I was really lucky to be in the right spot at the right time and they hired me. So that's the really really lucky story of how i got to where i am now and and if you want advice the only thing i would say is just work don't be afraid to write for free you have to 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 get your name out there write for blogs and and then yeah just just build up your resume and just keep working as hard as you can yeah i would say the same thing you know nowadays there is such an advantage it's, this is a very competitive field, and covering sports is so so many similarities to playing sports. Where it's hyper competitive, there are limited spots. There are millions of people who want to get those limited spots. The best of the best of the best are really really good, and the rest of us don't understand how good they are. Like I look at some of the best people out there, writing and podcasting or on the radio, or whatever. Like, man, how did they even think to put those words together in that order? Like, I, my brain couldn't even fathom putting that together. But over the course of time, 
You have the ability nowadays that didn't exist before with blogs, with podcasts, with all of this stuff. I mean, just look at what we're doing. We're not doing anything special. This is Skype, microphones, and free editing software that you can download off the internet. And two and podcasters. And two, but we, right, we just happen to be really good at it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still figuring it out too. Look, that's the thing. Like we... Each step along the way, there's, if you're listening, trying to start your career in this, Jay is absolutely correct. Work, 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 work. Do a lot of work. Write. Start a blog. Write for a blog. Ask to join a blog. A lot of us are looking for people. We'll be happy to take on writers. Get paid nothing or get paid a little bit. It's easier when you're younger and you don't know what it's like to have money so you can go and piece together a career by writing for three hours on one site and two hours on another site and three hours on another site, you get your name out there and you learn. You submit your stuff to editors. They will make corrections. You look at what the corrections are and then you do it. Even with this podcast, we're part of a network. We get notes on how to do things a little bit better, maybe a little bit of a tweak, and we try and incorporate that. It's, and I've been in the broadcasting business for 20 damn years and it's still a matter of getting notes and getting feedback and trying to build on that because I'll tell you, the, the smartest person in any room is the person who understands that you don't have all of the answers. If you can understand that you don't know everything, then you're a pretty damn smart person because that allows you to take in suggestions and work those into your, your professional life and the things that you do on a daily basis. And then you personally will become better at whatever it is you do. So just if, you, if you're trying to get into sports broadcasting, just do it. Just do it and fail. And if you suck at it, not a big deal. Just try to get better at it each time you do it. Yeah, yeah. But just just work hard. And then opportunities are tough, 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 tough in this business. But just keep working until you get it. And then yeah. prepare yourself for the opportunity. Sounds cliche. I'm, no, but I'm, look, I'm a big believer in and, and the, shit, the concept. Shit, I mean, who the hell are we to give advice, man? No, but... <laughs> <laughs> We're the podcast gods, I thought. No, no, no Godcasters. Godcasters, right. The, uh, I'm a big believer in you make your own luck. And yes, you need breaks to happen. Like this, this show wasn't part of this network. We just did it. But because we were doing it and preparing and trying to do a great show – we got noticed and we're part of this podcast network, the Lockdown Podcast Network, and we're really excited about how this thing is growing really, really fast. If you're out there trying to do something, just work and be prepared because you never know when that break's going to happen. And once it does happen, you got to be ready to take advantage of it. So that's not just luck. That's making your own luck because you're ready to take advantage of that stuff. Okay, let's move on to some of these funny questions because we've been going for a long time here and we want to wrap this up soon. So people, people have asked a couple of goofy questions. We're going to wrap it up with those. Tim DeMatteo asks, uh, who on the seas would you have the best chance of beating one-on-one? -on -one? <laughs> I guess I'd have to assume James Young. I'm going to say no. No, I'm not taking on James Young because he's got, he does have length and he does have shooting ability. I'm going right at Isaiah Thomas, man. I'm going right at IT. 
He will I got score a solid, on you every single time. I have got a solid eight inches on him. He just got to miss once. And I'm going to post him up every damn time. You and if you don't like Isaiah Thomas. You won't be able to move him in the post. You, I, you better score every time, and it better be winners. I will post him up every time. And if you don't like it, Isaiah Thomas, come prove me wrong. <laughs> he would beat you 15 nothing, And you wouldn't even get the ball. I wouldn't even... I I would see him standing in front of me, and then he would just disappear like a puff of smoke. I, lo- I, I love how you just choose the all star too. You're like, yeah, of course, man, go right at the best man. It's 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 really my only matchup option, unless unless we're going at like Demetrius Jackson or something like that. But this, none of it's going to be any good. Um, I, I could uh, go. Who would I try to go against? I, I feel like RJ Hunter. RJ Hunter. RJ Hunter. I feel like I could body him. Like, yeah. like it's completely irrational. There's no way I could actually buy. Him. Of course not. <laughs> no, no. no this close. is completely irrational question. But, but I, I have a rational confidence. I, I feel like I feel like I could just just bully R.J. Hunter, <laughs> and and in reality, he would block me every time. Like his, his arms would engulf me, and he, he would beat me also fifteen to nothing. But but in, in my head, I I can body R.J. Hunter, and and it's only in my head. Only in your head. There's absolutely no way that we would even <laughs> sniff the ball against anybody on the side. I, I love how we, we both thought, like, like for, first we're like, okay, we can pull, I can pulverize Isaiah Thomas, you thought. And then I was like, <laughs> you know what? I, I really think, like, my physicality would, would make a real difference against <laughs> our <Arjun. laughs> It's so ridiculous. Uh, at Sam Sheehan, now that there's video of the game against at real Bob Manning, how long till Kyrie brings Jay on the Uncle Drew circuit? Can you explain this one-on-one game that happened today? So Bob Manning, he writes for a Celtics blog, and he decided that he wanted to challenge me to one-on-one. Bad move by him. Bad, bad <laughs> choice. So, so him you could body. He, he, he took the train in to the south end of Boston where I live. And I pulverized him. I, I think it was 17 or 18 to 1 at one point. Uh, the, the video will come out soon. I was talking a lot of crap. Because <laughs> he, he talked a lot of crap, too. He was on Twitter, like, like really, really hyping himself up. Like, oh, like yeah. he was going to come in and, and really, really wipe the floor with me. And no, no. No. It's just not how it happens, Bob. That <laughs> you, you come at me. I, I was I was a college basketball player once on the the worst team in the country and I didn't get any minutes but still <laughs> and I'm completely washed up but but you you better bring a little bit of game if you're coming at me otherwise I will take you and I will ruin you and then I and then I will let you hear about it so so I don't know about the, the Kyrie Uncle Drew tour but but I <laughs> I do know that Bobby Manning does not want any part of me. At any point in the near future, I want to drop some old man game on you. I want to get out there. Yeah, we got to play sometime. Yeah, yeah. I need a solid like two, three months to stretch and prepare. But like <laughs> two, three I can months to stretch, <laughs> get my body right. Uh, no, I would love to do it. I actually would love to do it. I haven't played basketball in the better part of, let's see, she's been probably eight or nine months. I haven't played basketball. It's been a long time. Uh, but I've been out there running. I've been out there lifting. I've had an extended off season. I'm ready to go. 
I just need to. I really need to get out there and shoot some more. But that would be awesome. Next time you're in Boston, we got to have some five on five action with some some Rain and Jay's listeners. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Scott at Boston Sports. Thoughts on the ninety-eight-five call screener and the car salesman sources? I don't want to get too deep into this. We all know who this, this guy is. He clearly he has something either. A, the ability to, to make great guesses, or B, a friend somewhere in the Celtics organization that tipped him off because he had some, he said he had Horford to the Celtics before anybody else actually mentioned it. He, he somehow had Jalen Brown, uh, the pick before anybody else had mentioned it, and and now he's, he's in on these Blake Griffin rumors. Look, I, I want to put this to rest, and this is the only reason I'm answering this question. I trust sources i trust people with sources who have demonstrated over the course of time that they are to be trusted so and and jay you don't have to weigh in on this if you don't want to but i, I know you hear things i know steve will pet hears things washburn Woj, everybody you hear things that may have a little bit of substance to them but eh, no not not solid enough to go with some people out there they don't have the same reputations to protect or they have different standards that they want to use for reporting or letting people know things that they're hearing. That's fine. If that's how somebody wants to operate and has okay with being wrong, then that's fine. I personally am going to trust someone who demonstrates over the course of time that they have solid sources, that they're reporting something that is substantive and, and that's when I'm going to weigh in on stuff like that. So that's why when this guy was saying something about Blake Griffin, I didn't pay attention. When Sean Devaney did, well, now we've got something. Because he at least has a demonstrated track record of doing so. If you choose to follow and believe that stuff, that's fine. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure whatever. It's nothing personal. I just don't choose to believe anybody in that situation until they've demonstrated a long enough track record of of solid reporting, solid sources, and things that have panned out. So I never want to make this personal. I've never attacked this person. I've never whatever. I just I just don't choose to believe him at this point. So that's those are my only thoughts. We can move on. JaVale McGee, Mount Rushmore. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and on this final note, the last one, we're going to leave it up to Justin in Australia at Aus Celtics fan. Can the Brooklyn Nets be assigned to the D-League? <laughs> we came to play. We came hashtag, to play. Hashtag we came to play. I, I got nothing we, else to say. We came to play. That, that says it all. Dot, hashtag, dot, dot. The main red claws tomorrow night. Hashtag we came to play. I no, we it. don't want them in the D-League. We want them in the NBA Losing 70 games this year. That's what we want. And they look, that team, I don't know. I know it was a, a, like a big photo op, but there were guys in that photo. And they just caught them the right way. They did not look enthused. They're just like, yeah, uh, I had no choice. This is the only team that would sign me. This is the only team that would give me this much money. So, fine. Love it. Hashtag we came to play, man. We came to play. <laughs> We came to podcast, and we did that. We did that for a long time tonight, answering your questions. 
thank you very much for submitting those questions on Twitter. Now, you can always submit the questions on Twitter with the hashtag Rain and Jays. We will periodically go through them, and if we are talking about a topic, we can, we can pop them in there. So if you have a question, tag it hashtag Rain and Jays. Either we'll mention it on the podcast or maybe we'll just answer it on Twitter. We definitely want to hear your questions and give you the feedback. That's what we're here for, part of what we're here for. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, thank you very much. Please subscribe. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Audio Boom, wherever it is you get your podcasts, do that. Rate us five stars because we deserve it. And thank you for listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.